world's becoming a dangerous place for us women. Lipstick Bodyguard looks just like an innocent little lipstick, but it'll instantly drop any attacker to his knees so you can get away unharmed. Lipstick Bodyguard. Fear no evil. Get yours today only at LipstickBodyguard.com. Broadcasting from behind the Second Amendment Iron Curtain in the shadows of the New York City skyline, this is Gun For Hire Radio, the voice of one million New Jersey gun owners, with your hosts, Sandy Berardi and Master Firearms Trainer, Anthony Calandra. Live from the land that freedom forgot, the most listened to Second Amendment broadcast in the nation. Welcome to it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, fellow serfs and peasants. <laughs> yes, sir. Welcome to the United States of America, where the third tier are subjected to overtaxation with no representation. <laughs> Not even any tea in the cup. Yes. How do you all feel about that? Nobody's felt it yet. No, uh, well, need any more proof that there's the three tiers in this country? The first tier, obviously, is the political class, the elites, and the rich bastards. Yes. The second tier is the illegals and the criminals. And the third tier is we, the people, the law abiding, taxpaying citizens. You mean the criminals who are actually getting uh, inoculations before the people in the nursing homes? Those, in New those? York, New Jersey, and California, all incarcerated prisoners are being vaccinated at the same time as our elected class and their staff. <laughs> That's great. And our grandmothers and grandfathers that are World War II and Vietnam and Korean veterans are dying in the hospitals and the assistant live at homes because they're not getting the vaccines until the first tier gets their vaccines. But the first tier is saying they're getting the vaccine for optics and to encourage other people to get the oh, vaccine. Is that why the prisoners are getting it too at the same time? You know, well, yeah, I, I, I don't understand why the prisoners are getting it. The only way I could justify is that is for the safety of the prison guards. Well, okay, that would be the... Why don't we just inoculate the prison guards? Well, no, that would make sense. Oh, that that really would make sense. Why would you even think something like that? So we'll waste a couple of million vaccines on uh, child molesters and rapists and you violent know, be, criminals. Be, between the stimulus peasant bill and what's been going on with COVID, if the general masses have not awoken yet to the class warfare that's going on in this country, I don't know if, if anybody will ever wake up. I, I, I just don't understand it, you know? I mean, do, do you see what's going on here? They're allowed to break lockdowns. Uh, they can do anything they want. And we, the people, just continue to get crushed. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. But we allow it. <sighs> I mean... We just stand by and think everything is just wonderful. Listen, it is definitely class warfare against us. The stimulus bill... 70% of the peasant's stimulus bill is going to foreign countries. Now, we should not be looking at where that money is going. We should be looking at who is benefiting on the flip side for that money. Like I said, Lindsey Graham sponsored the $10 million going to Pakistan for gender studies, right? Yep. What is he getting in return or what has he gotten in return? It is despicable. It is despicable that the law-abiding, tax-paying citizens are getting $600 checks and you have billions of dollars going to foreign countries. And you know what? They a don't trillion. hide it anymore, Sandy. Correct. A trillion. A they don't trillion. hide it anymore. No, they don't hide it anymore. You don't, you like don't have to McConnell. hide it. No. Mitch McConnell's wife, uh, is her family's huge in the Chinese uh, shipping industry and has always been. So that's why China's not being blamed for spreading this uh, scourge around the world. So we're just constantly, constantly, constantly being crushed. They do not care about us. Again, revenue continues to go down. They continue to raise taxes. Remote worker taxes next for you people that have worked working from home. And maybe some of you took pay cuts to work from home. Don't worry. New York and New Jersey is going to get you. Okay. They are going to get you. You can California. You cannot escape. Okay. You cannot escape. All mm -hmm. right. So, New Jersey's got an exit tax, so even if you try to get out, they're going to yeah, get you're, you. You're not, you're not getting out. You're not getting out. So I read this article in in the Federalist, and uh, 
it's it's very interesting. Uh, uh, who wrote this article? The Federalist Staff. Uh, Chef, uh, COVID lockdowns are class warfare against small local businesses. All right. It's very true. We all hear about today. Um, all we hear about today is the outrageous spike in cases, hospital overflowing, etc. And yet the narrative is still shut down restaurants. We've been shut down. We are not the culprit. We see we are getting targeted and effectively scapegoated as the bad guy. These government-mandated shutdowns are clearly favoring big businesses and hurting small restaurants, chefs, and their staff financially and culturally. What's happening right now is really a class warfare whereby your big business, your campaign donors, your elites are operating in one bubble, and then you have all the small business retailers that are being told that they have to shut down. Nobody is leading them through this saying, don't worry, we're going to get your back. Here is some sort of financial relief. Boy, how apropos is that? How long have I been saying this? Right. How long have I been saying this, that this is what's happening? It is a class warfare. And, it, and it's not just restaurants. It's everybody. Everybody, okay? And it continues, <clears throat> continues, and it's not going to stop. And people need to wake up. We're crushing the small businesses in New York, New Jersey, California. While the elites, what the hell, they do whatever they goddamn want. And the political class does whatever they goddamn want. And people are not going to get it. I just don't know when people are going to wake up, Sandy. It's so frustrating. That's right. <sighs> and Sorry, we, just I... go, we just go along with it because we've turned into sheeple. Correct. $600. They're baiting people with $600. And what, is, you what is that supposed to do for the person? It's your who... own money. Yeah, right. Exactly right. Cut out that, you know, the thing that would have been done is what Trump wanted to do in the beginning. That the, that's the thing that would have eased things is if they would have just cut out the payroll tax, put a put a moratorium on the payroll tax. But the reason that they did not do that not happening. Uh, is because once people figured out how much money that the government steals from them each and every week. Correct. There would be mutiny. Correct. Unbelievable, right? Yeah. Un, 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 unbelievable. I've never, ever seen anything like this. It's growing. And now, you know, the, the curtain's been pulled back. Listen, these big, fat stimulus packages have been done for, for since the beginning of politics. But now our politicalists, they don't care because they're empowered by the elites and they're empowered by the uh, by the media. So they can pretty yeah. much do whatever they want. You're and right. they can they keep their foot on our throat. And that's just the way it's going to be. Unfortunately, there's nothing else we, we can do about it. We cannot do anything about this, all right? You know, you have states like, uh, well, you know what? Before I talk about that, I have a, a great letter here that was posted by a restaurant owner, okay? Uh, he wrote, this was a restaurant owner, and it was anonymous in this, and I shared it, and other people shared it. He wrote, uh, as I walk into the grocery store with 30 people at the same time, I think about my restaurant, which allows parties of six total, and meticulously spaces out reservations by 10 minutes, ensuring guests that aren't from the same party do not arrive at the same time. As I take a cart that is, had just had a handle sanitized, I think about my restaurant, which invested thousands of dollars so far on ink and paper to print disposable menus to ensure no two guests touch the same menu. As I walk over to the produce aisle with 15 to 20 other people around me, I'm reminded of the strict no mingling, no walking around the restaurant other than to use the washroom or enter exit policy we have in place and the six-foot distance between tables, which has cut our capacity in half. As I watch the woman next to me pick up apples with her hand, check them over closely, and then put them back onto the pile and repeats this until she finds the perfect apples, the same thing that all other people that day who want an apple will do yep. and then put those apples in their mouths. I think about the two-step sanitation process uh, in the place of my restaurant for all cutlery and dishes and glassware in between every single guest and the sanitation of every surface guests touch, tables, chairs, salt and pepper shakers, etc., as I watch the man in the next aisle over ignore or not notice the directional hours on arrows on the ground, I think about my restaurant and the constant redirecting our staff does of guests by locking certain doors, blocking off areas, and the work my team does to simply not allow guests to walk where they are not supposed to. As I walk down the cereal aisle, I see a person with their mask off so they can talk on the phone, and I'm reminded of my restaurant where our masking policy has lost us so much business. 
as I check out at the cashier, I use my debit card to pay and see the plastic film covering the terminal. It was not sanitized after the person before <laughs> me used it. I am reminded of the sanitizer used on the debit terminals in between each guest every time at my restaurant. As I stand at a crowded exit trying to leave, I'm reminded of the detailed contact tracing in place at my restaurant that records the name, phone name, number, table, arrival time, and exit time, as well as the server and section the guest sat in that is in place at my restaurant. This is New York, by the way. Not one of these pieces of information was taken from any customer here. As I get into my car and watch all these people leave the store, I wonder which person will visit my establishment after contracting COVID at this grocery store. And I wonder why on earth my restaurant will be blamed as the source. Restaurants are being targeted as the source of COVID infections because we are the only industry required to provide contact tracing. Someone with COVID could have gone to Costco, Home Depot, Walmart, the mall food court, any grocery store, etc. Yet it's the restaurant that took their detailed information that will be forced to close and deem responsible for the infection. You want to blame restaurants for the spread after thousands of dollars investing in equipment training and strict policies than anywhere else? Prove it. How apropos was that? Well, it's true. It's all kabuki theater. There's nothing but the people who are screaming about following the science have no idea what the science even says. It's the same. This is the same mentality that the that the person driving in their car wearing the mask, driving in their car alone wearing a mask. Well, we discussed that. That's so they don't lick the window. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. That's they're that's, licking the terminal now at the <laughs> correct at the, at the self checkout. Correct, yeah. correct. Listen, let's talk a tale of t- a couple of cities here. This is from the Federalist as well, because when I went to look up that one article um, about class warfare, I found this one. Florida is open. New York is closed. The weaponization of COVID. Despite larger populations, currently freer peoples in a media narrative that screams otherwise, there are far fewer deaths in Texas and in Florida than in New York. This was written by Christopher Bedford, by the way. He goes, thus far, Florida, approximately 20,000 people have died of COVID. In Texas, the number stands at 24,000, and in New York, about 35,000. New York is the smallest of the three with 20 million residents. Then comes Florida with 21,6, and then before Texas with 28 million residents. Obviously, COVID numbers are difficult to trust. Cases are often counted more than once as patients go in and out of the hospital. And some deaths are attributed to COVID that are barely related, if at all. All right. There's a perverse incentive to write down COVID and get state and federal money, no doubt. But one thing rings clear through all the din. Despite larger populations, currently freer peoples and a media narrative that screams otherwise, there are far, far fewer deaths in Texas and in Florida than in New York. For months, American media consumers have been treated to news of Florida and Texas incoming death spirals. For months after, we were promised those death spirals were just around the bend. The funny thing with COVID, though, is unlike global warming doomed science, always three to 12 years away and too complex to explain when it inevitably doesn't happen, COVID doom predictions are checkable in in just a few weeks, and COVID doom didn't happen. Along Florida's Gulf Coast, the streets are packed on weekends. In Naples, Florida, my favorite place, just one week ago, lights hung majestically from lampposts, a live nativity stood in the road, sandalette children sit on his lap, and live bands performed every few blocks. Indoors, the bars were busy, and just after midnight, the last pub's band wound down for the night, Okay. Young parents and some of the elderly wore masks. Some old masked couples were dancing to the music. Florida's freedom isn't some new and dangerous experiment, by the way. The Sunshine State has been open for nearly three months. Yet in New York this past weekend, Governor Cuomo ordered indoor dining shut down. Since COVID began in earnest in late March, I've had the opportunity to travel 23 states and see all kinds of behaviors and impacts. Most of the people I've spoken to share a general impression that the whole country was acting the same as they were and subject to the same rules. The funny thing is, in reality, I didn't even have to travel from Washington, D.C. to Hillsdale, Michigan to remember what sitting in a bar felt like when just a four-mile walk from my house in Maryland would have scratched that itch because from D.C. was closed, but Maryland was open. So he's saying four-mile walk, you could go sit in a bar. How's this backed by science, right? Right. So – 
In America today, left-wing politicians are obsessed with control, are crushing the lives and dreams of their citizens, while in the same country, just across state lines, young and old celebrate Christmas like we used to without any notable, noticeable difference in risk and impact. How long can this continue before we all figure it out? All right. Early in the pandemic, some reports indicated that COVID-19 might have been an intentional weapon against us. Since then, we've learned that this is very unlikely, although this hasn't stopped it from being using a weapon against us, not by the Chinese, but by our elites. I'm reading more and more articles, Sandy, where people are having an awakening, especially journalists, which I didn't see before. Okay. So, you know what I mean? So that is unbelievable. Well, journalists oh. can can be woke now because the bad orange man is dead. You think? You think? Let me tell you. It's, uh, you know, and the problem is, too, even the way things are counted. And and look, not to bore everybody, but there there is, there are two ways at looking at death certificates and, and identifying death certificates. One is the cause of death, and the other one is the mechanism of death. Um and for years, the doctor has always used his or her judgment as to what that cause of death should be documented as. But when you incentivize, um, and we have been since the beginning, incentivizing certain types of diagnoses over the other, financially incentivized, the suits in the hospital make the decisions for you many times. And, um, you know, the, the difference is, is this. The, the, let's just say a person is walking across the street and they get hit by a bus. Um, obviously, the cause of death would be run over by a bus, right? The mechanism yeah. of death is how, you know, that bus crushed them. Did they lose blood? Did You know, whatever caused that way, the mechanism of death happens, right? It, COVID's a little s- s- sketchy, uh, as is the flu is sketchy. Off air, we were talking about this, right? where um, if you have <clears throat> the seasonal flu, your chance of dying of a heart attack or stroke within the next 18 months is drastically higher uh, mm. than it was if you did not have a flu. Well, this, COVID is the same, except the thing that we're finding out with this sort of thing is it, it produces a, um, a, a condition that causes you to have blood clots. Uh, arbitrarily in in major organs and in, in, in your heart and your lungs and those th- sort of things. So if you if you have a blood clot in your heart, you're gonna have a heart attack. If you have a blood clot, go to your brain. You're gonna have a stroke, uh, pulmonary embolism, that sort of thing. A, a, a clot in your kidney will shut your kidneys down, and that's what we're seeing. So you know it's a tough call sometimes because if you say that the person died of kidney failure um, because their kidneys shut down because there was a clot that happened in their kidney and it happened from COVID-19, the mechanism of death is COVID-19. The actual death is kidney failure, but the mechanism of death is COVID-19. So that's a legitimate documentation. But to say somebody got hit by a bus and they died with COVID um, just for the $38,000 that your hospital gets, that's a little licentious. Had a uh, doctor tell me, hospital, northern New Jersey, Young man, mid-20s, motorcycle accident. They worked on him for four hours. They couldn't save him. Um, and one of the residents there said, test him for COVID. And they tested him for COVID, and they put down a uh, possible COVID death. So it happens, right? It happens, yeah. yeah and again, happens. because it's, you know, the thing is that the hospital itself um, gets a financial reward for the treatment of a COVID patient or a COVID death. Uh, to the tune of about thirty-eight grand. Yep. And when that happens, you know, like I said, the suits can put pressure on the doctors who are employed by the hospital, which is what wouldn't, the federal government it, likes. Wouldn't, wouldn't normal philosophy, normal guidelines dictate that we should quarantine the high-risk people and the people that are afraid should self-quarantine instead of locking up entire states? That's been the science of epidemiology and the practice of epidemiology for the past 100 years. So this is something new this year. This is something uh, that last year, March. Yeah, yeah, that we're locking everybody up. But oh wait, we're we're not locking up the corporate donor lobbyist organizations. Right. So we're going to continue to have it because you know one thing I we haven't really seen mass outbreaks in like food stores 
right? And, you know, a lot of those food stores, the cashiers tend to be elderly women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, yeah. I go to the same shop right all the time. It's the same couple of old ladies. I love them all. I'm always joking with them. But here they are. They've been frontline workers behind plexiglass. You know, and people talk, well, it's the height of the ceiling. The way they, I, I, That's all bullshit. No, that's good that, That's all bullshit, right? They're coming in contact with thousands of people a week. And yeah. we haven't, like the media, because the media would play the shit out of it. You know, if a local food store, a grocery store got shut down because 30% of the staff tested positive for COVID, it would be front page news for a week straight. Right. But it's not. And the problem is, is the science is constantly changing. Like in the beginning, we were always worried about the dreaded asymptomatic spreader, the super spreader, where now uh, data coming in from around the world suggests that there is no such a thing. That um, the and, and again, from not to bore the audience, because this, this can be pretty boring, but there is a test right now that you can do. Uh, in f- f- 10 to 15 minutes that every doctor's office could do that whatever it costs about a buck um, and it is not testing you know the it's not testing for the minute fragments of the of the uh, disease of the virus it's testing for uh, it, it, you have to have a, a decent amount of virus let's put it that way so instead of testing for positivity of the virus which could mean you have had it before still have some fragments of it there um the test that i'm referring to uh if you were spreading uh, or contagious it would test positive so that's more logical Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. a scientific standpoint would be to test for contagion versus testing for presence of the virus we're not doing that now gotcha Uh, you know we're doing the pcr method which is you know i mean you know, Carrie Mullins is probably rolling over in his grave uh, because it, it is, it's, a, it's a highly, highly sensitive test that really shouldn't be used for diagnostics. And it says specifically in the literature, this is not supposed to be used for diagnostics. Wow. But again, we're spending $92 million a day doing testing, arbitrary t- testing. And um, somebody's getting money for this. Somebody's oh, getting yeah. rich off of this. Oh, yeah. Not us. No. No. You know, you want to talk more proof Big Brother. This was in CNN, okay, from CNN. They're coming up with apps to make sure that you have been vaccinated. Otherwise, you will not be able to travel. <laughs> That's how they're going to do it. See, the federal government cannot mandate you have a vaccine. A state can have more authority over quarantine and vaccination and everything else. But the federal government can't do that. But... All we have to do is go back to Cass Sunstein's book, Nudge. That's mm-hmm. exactly what we're talking about. We've been using those tactics in public health forever. But now it is, now you know, it, you, in a sense, what you're doing is making it easier and simpler and more palatable to do what I want you to do versus what you would like to do. Oh, you want to get on that plane? Oh, you want to go to the concert? You want to go to whatever? And they're using big tech. And they're using big companies who have already towed the line, who have already gotten their you know share of the money, uh, in order to enforce this stuff. Yep. So it's called a vaccine passport, and of course Google and Apple jumped right on this, creating apps Mm -hmm. because that's more data they could collect from us of where we've been, what we've gone to do, what we've spent, and where we visited. So again, they can sell. Yes. Yep. So the, the the app will be free because they'll be selling our data. That's right. All right, and the government will be watching everywhere I go. All right, so they're all, all, all there's all this rivalry from the masters of the universe, the first tier, the elites, and of course they will they will definitely be given the green light by our political class because who gives a shit, right, about us? But a digital health pass. And do you know where this all originated? The idea of a digital health pass. Where the World Economic Forum. Oh well. There goes that, and uh, the makers of the com- the makers of the Great Reset coming to a neighborhood near you. So it won't be long before we all have a chip installed, right? There's talk of it. There has been talk of that since the beginning, and Gates was the first one to talk about that, including some sort of a, a uh, some sort of a digital signature with the vaccine. 
the, a barcode or a tattoo on our forearm wouldn't be more <laughs> more effective. You mean the mark of the beast somewhere? Yeah, or? you know, we might we might want something <laughs> like that. And of course, the tattoos will be different. So you can right? buy and sell and trade, right? Yeah, the elites <laughs> will have a different tattoo than the political class, and the political class have a different tattoo than the second tier, and us third tier people will have you know something that'll show us. So we might as well implement like a caste system. Papers. Yeah, papers. Yeah, I, I was called a racist and all kinds of crap for doing uh, doing a video about that. May I have your papers? Where I showed up uh, the Constitution. I said these are my papers, and of course <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I got crap from the media for that. They they totally attacked me. But uh, so you know right. it was good. Of course it was good, <laughs> but this is what we're dealing with here, man. Right. So they're going to be tracking our every move. They already are. <clears throat> now, uh, have people been listening to Gun Lawyer on Evan Knappen? Uh You should be listening to his shows are about a half hour. Um, the dog, eh, it was okay. But he tells some great stories. And one thing we want to remind everybody of, uh, Knappen discussed this on his podcast. And I want to remind everybody, every couple of weeks we bring this up on the show. Knappen coined the term bang or blow. Okay? You can't do both. You can't be on marijuana or have marijuana and own or possess or shoot a firearm. Yeah. Okay? So, Knappen wrote, Despite the imminent legalization of marijuana use in New Jersey on January 1st, pursuant to a November 3rd ballot question, question, marijuana use is still unlawful under federal law, and marijuana users are disqualified from owning firearms under federal law. The bottom line is, under federal, uh, until federal law changes, marijuana use still disqualifies users from gun ownership under the federal law. On Form 4473, there's, it says it right there on the question. Um, I think it's 26E. I don't, I'm not looking it up for you guys. I've repeated it a million times. It, regardless of what state law is, federal law supersedes it, and you cannot have a medicinal are a uh, recreational marijuana card or usage and possess guns. Now, they I don't know if they're cross, crossing the databases yet. Like, let's look up how many people have an FID card, and let's look up how many people have a medicinal or recreational marijuana card, all right? Uh, they will pretty soon. But it's, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. So, bang or blow, as Evan Knappen said a million times, everybody out there needs to fully understand this, okay? Okay. Um, if you have guns right now and you go for a medical marijuana card, you are a felon the minute you accept that card. Right. All right. Please, please, please note this. You are a goddamn felon, and it's it's bad. Until the marijuana industry gets as big as the drug industry and the alcohol industry, you will not see a bill passed uh, that will allow people to uh, use recreational or medicinal marijuana and own firearms. So it's actually question 21E on 4473. Are you an unlawful user or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic, drug, or any other controlled substance? Next one. Warning in bold. The use or possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law regardless of whether it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. Okay, this is the trap, ladies and gentlemen. You do not want to be a felon. Okay, you cannot possess or use a firearm if you are on medicinal or recreational marijuana, please. Okay, uh, share that with your friends and your families. It's a trap. Okay, New Jersey, pretty soon they're mm -hmm. going to be issuing cards for recreational marijuana. Medicinal's already been allowed for years, but recreational marijuana, they're going to issue uh, cards to people. And a lot of you people out there that own guns or were thinking about a gun, it's a disqualifier. Now, we don't really know how long it, it, it is after. So, Knappen right now is assuming um, it's, eight, it's one year. Year. So let's say you're on a medical marijuana card right now, and you decide you don't want it anymore. Knappen feels you should wait at least a year before you apply for a firearms ID card. Wow, that's a okay. Time, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, for the system to clear itself out, uh, and vice versa, same thing. If you're going to get on a card for medical marijuana, or something you should probably wait a year after you turn in your guns or sell your guns and turn in your firearms ID card is what I meant to say. Because it takes the federal and the state systems a while to, to clear. Same thing when you get an expungement. Knappen recommends when you get an expungement, you wait a minimum of six months before you apply for your firearms ID card or anything. Because And uh, Chief Uzzolino in town here has told me that he's had people that have had expungements and applied for an FID card and the record still came up. 
And rather than deny them, he tells them resubmit three months from now. And then they resubmit three months from now, and they're, they're, the, the record doesn't come up. It takes a while to get through the system. So bang or blow, you can't do both from the great one, Evan Knappen. You should be listening to his Gun Lawyer podcast. Uh, Knappen is the man. He's a great guy, funny guy, and uh, everybody should be uh, listening to it and learn it because these, these education that we teach on Gun For Hire Radio and on Gun Lawyer, you know, the, the first tier does not want us to know these things. No. No, they don't. You know, and that's our job to educate people so you don't get trapped. The big reason why I wrote Crime Proof, which you'll see when it comes out in a few years, months, weeks, days. For many people walking into a range the first time, it's quite intimidating. So when you walk in through the double doors, the first thing you'll see on your left is a concierge. When people walk in, they can take a tour of the range, or maybe they're coming in for an appointment with one of my instructors or me, and they'll be directed to the right classroom. It kind of softens the entire experience. It makes people feel more at home. As you walk further into the range, you're going to notice we have New Jersey's only indoor 50-yard range, which is heated and air-conditioned. The dividers at each port are bulletproof. They're extra wide ports so two people can stand side by side and shoot. There's lights in the ports so you're well lit. We also have three times as much light down range that the average range would have because I believe it's important that the targets are well lit. Our target retrieval system is all digital. You program how many feet you want to send it out and it stays there. Both of our ranges are tactically baffled which means when we run our higher level courses, you can move forward to the firing line and shoot in any direction and bullets can't escape. When you come out of the 50 yard range, to your left you'll see our large classroom and go back up to the concierge and make a right. We have two smaller classrooms and those classrooms are for small one-on-one -on -one classes, our Build-A-Bear, building an AR. As you enter through there, you'll see that we have a uh, portal with a key to go into our Platinum Lounge. They can sit around and watch TV on the leather uh, chairs or couches, and they can maybe work deals with their uh, clients. And you normally don't see a cafe in an indoor range. In New Jersey, we have this archaic law where you're only supposed to go from your house to the range, range to the house with no unnecessary deviations. I'm seeing a lot more families coming in now where they have multiple kids, and the wife will stay in the cafe with one or two kids, and they'll do a handoff. To me, it's very important that people are treated like family, so the bathrooms are very high-end. We use marble and corian and really nice tile and full-length dividers so that people are comfortable when they come in. When you exit the bathroom, you'll see the Gun For Hire radio studio where Sandy and I tape our show. After you pass that and you make a left, you'll notice our retail area. Over 120 firearms for rent. As you turn 180 degrees, you see the large sections of bulletproof glass. That's our 25-yard range. And inside our 25-yard range, we have 13 ports. Those ports are even wider than the 50-yard range. Both ranges have full-time range safety officers. In case you have any questions or concerns, they're there to help you. Come on, man. Come on, man. So, a lot of you don't know, but uh, I'm a one percenter, and Sandy's a one percenter now. We're one percenters. We're one percenters. How do you feel about that? That's not good. And no, it, we are. No, it's not we good. are. We're one, we're one percenters. Ladies and gentlemen, the Gun for Hire radio podcast has been on. Where did I see it? It's right here. 11 we, years. June 1st, 2011 was our first episode. Wow. Okay? And... Out of 1.9 million podcasts globally, we are in the top 1% in global ranking. We are, and have okay. been since. Top forever. Forever, right. yeah. So how funny is that? Unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, we're top, we're one percenters now. How do you feel about that? So, Well, I feel the same as we've always felt. <laughs> <laughs> so spread the word. So <laughs> I love when I get texts from people. I'm thinking of coming tomorrow at 3 o'clock. How busy will you be? Wait, uh, let me get out my crystal ball. <laughs> I just got another one. I got an email from a woman. She's not sure she wants a gun yet, so she wants to come and rent one and bring it home for a couple of weeks. That's fantastic. That's yes. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. I'm, I'm right get, on that. Get a few of them. Try them out at home. I'm right and, on uh, that. And we just want one bullet. 
So I was honored this week for New Year's Day, Gary mm-hmm. Allison from Beacon Brass, an instructor at Bob's Little Sports Shop, and his son Jonathan came up to break bread and hang out with me and shoot. You know, Gary uh, survived for, from a stroke. Yes. You know, uh, and uh, he doesn't look like he had a stroke. He's going to be 70 years old. That's great. Uh, military veteran, firearms instructor, Second Amendment advocate. Him and his son came up to shoot. His son shot the 50 BMG and uh, had a great time. Uh, and then they drove uh, back home. So it's great to see him on his feet and doing his thing. Uh, Marty and his wife continue to overfeed me, bringing me food every Friday. So check out martysvburger.com. And on Fridays, you could go to Freakin' Vegans in Prospect Park and pick up uh, awesome food. His burgers are phenomenal. Marty's signature burger. Remember, if you need insurance, NY Tax Defense, use promo code Gun for Hire. That's for all of New York. Uh, the 49 other states, U.S. Law Shield, use Gun for Hire in the promo code for 10% off. The app, Legal Blade Knife App 2.0, is available from Knife Rights. Download it. Evan Knappen, the Gun Lawyer Podcast, exposing the truth about the laws designed to strip you of your freedoms. Half hour a week of your time. Listen and learn. By the way, Knappen wrote a chapter for my book, uh, uh, Crime Proof. Uh, and uh, the whole thing is about, uh, you know, dealing with the police, whether you're pulled over or they come to your house. Oh, I did that last week as a learning segment, but I asked Knappen to do it. He graciously wrote it for me. And uh, it will be inserted in the book Crime Proof when it comes out. Think like a criminal and beat them at their own game. The quarantine crawl now has 270 businesses, products, and services, guys and girls. That's great. Uh, Get the page. Save it on your home screen of your Android or um, iPhone or whatever phone you have. And you can search by location. You can search by industry, product, dining, and everything. Uh, Support those who support you. Keep it in the family. Whether it's a pizzeria, fine dining, I don't care what it is. Uh, Download. uh, It's easy. It's www.quarantinecrawl.com. We couldn't make it any easier, right? Quarantinecrawl.com. So... Dr. Jerry Optoff sent me an email. Good morning, Anthony. Oh, just Ed, an, before you get oh, into Dr. Optoff's email, can I, uh, yeah. can I just do a shout-out to a couple of people? Yes, please. I just want to say, you know, we always talk about Marty and Marty's V-Burger. I just want to thank Marty so much. Marty uh, responded to the call we've been making every single week for the uh, visiting home, uh, home care service of Ocean County um, to help the vets out. And... Um, Marty sent down, it packaged up a uh, hundred um, of the uh, uh, N95 masks to uh, go to the to the nurses, the visiting nurses down there. Marty, thank you so much. He, Marty's such a great guy. I love Marty. Um, I also want to say thank you to um, all the people who have been donating. Uh, Michael LaChapelle. Um, Powell. Uh, Powell. Powell. P-A-W-E-L. He made a donation, and he sent lunch today for my entire staff. Oh, that's fantastic. Yep. Rex uh, Novenario and uh, John Adine, or uh, Dr. John Adine, thank you so much. Richie Rotten, fantastic guy. Uh, uh, Does so much for the vets. Thank you so much, Richie. And uh, Jim uh, DiGiulio, uh, thank you, Jules. Uh, you guys are great. And, and a big shout-out to a lot of the guys who I know listen um, at the Quick Checks of Ocean County who got <laughs> together and purchased gift cards for gasoline for the, uh, for the visiting nurses' ve- vehicles. How nice is that? Uh, it's really great. I mean, thank you so much. If you guys want to help out, please, they still need so much help. Um, it is go- The GoFundMe account is GoFundMe VHS of Ocean County. Thank you so much again. That's easy. VHS of Ocean County. Now's a good time. Give a little donation. Maybe you can get that uh, when you get your government cheese. That government $600, cheese. Uh, <laughs> that $600 freaking <laughs> stimulus check. By the way, that $600 check cost you $45,000. I just want you to know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's called voodoo economics. That's what it is. All yes. right. <laughs> Yeah, thank you, everybody. Oh, yeah. Jules is Jules has been a long hauler on COVID, by the way. Oh, wow. 70 years old. He's still not 100% uh, Sandy, his wife told me. 
uh, still a little bit of respiratory problem, but he's alive and well. He was here yeah. with the priest the day they came to shoot. He went in the range and shot. He was wearing a mask and everything. So he's not dead. He's here with us still fighting, all right? So he's protected by uh, his patriotism. God bless. And so, you, uh, did you mention... Uh, the the uh, when when you were talking about Uzzolino, did you say Chief Uzzolino? Yeah, uh, John Uzzolino is the chief of Woodland Park right now, and the previous chief, Chief Anthony Gallietti, whose uh, son worked here. Great guy. His, his cousin uh, ran the cafe when we first opened the range. Yeah. Chief Gallietti was instrumental in getting the range approved and absolutely. opened uh, yeah, 10, absolutely. 11 years ago with us. Has uh, sadly and unexpectedly passed uh, a few days ago from complications of COVID. And this is a guy who beat cancer. Yeah. And to come out of beating cancer and he succumbed to COVID, uh, as a matter of fact, this morning that we're taping the show, I got a phone call from Chief Filzolino. I will be 60. Gallietti, I would imagine, was probably 56 or 57 years yeah, old. I'll right. find out. So my condolences to him and his family. Okay. His son, Matt Gallietti, worked here. Uh, just a, a real champion for two-way rights and helped us out tremendously. Uh, always uh, there to help, and uh, he will truly, truly be missed. Just got married last year, too, remarried, and uh, his lovely wife, Gina. His, a matter of fact, his stepson, Austin, who's in West Point, worked here for quite a few years, mm. uh, part-time, full-time and part-time. So his son and his stepson worked here. It's going to be uh, greatly missed. Yeah, yeah, so I'm... Um, I'm really kind of knocked back by that. So um, Dr. Optoff sent an email. Good morning, Anthony. Just an update on the electric gun permit system. I had my wife apply at the end of October, beginning November. She received her notice today that she was approved and needs to pay $5 to pick it up. We live in Sparta. So it took about a month, a little less than a month, uh, which is what we want to see because the law says 30 days. So we're finding that the new forest, the digital forest system, is starting to become <clears throat> effective. Uh, I want to circle around uh, just so, you know, so I just talked about uh, Chief Gallietti. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm talking about, uh, you know, you hear me earlier in the show, I'm talking about how the lockdowns are bullshit and this and that. I, I know COVID is real, all right? Of I, course, I, know, yeah. I know it's real. I know the flu is real. I know so many other things are real. But I just, my frustration is I feel it's backwards because we're not really quarantining the high-risk people and telling the people who are afraid or people who don't want to take a risk to stay home because everything in life has a risk in it you step out of your front door you slip and fall you hit your head and you die you get into a car accident at a traffic light there's you know there's just a multitude of things that can happen in your life so we have to re weigh our risk and reward and our freedoms here that's right all right so we have it has to be done that way it can't just be massive lockdowns only in blue states you know crushing people's lives and having suicides skyrocket up and depression skyrocket up and you know just so many things are happening right now how many people of physical and mental health is crumbling as we approach a year yeah of executive orders and lockdowns people are dying from uh, diseases that are going undetected because they can't get the uh, proper testing done you know, and, and the things that bother me, too, are the fact that, you know, this, the true science is not being followed. And, and, you know, the kabuki theater that goes on. And, and unfortunately, people who, you know, with the mask Nazis out there who believe that the mask is somehow a shield against this thing. The mask is not effective at all, has never been effective. Uh, that's reality uh, since 1918 when they first created those masks against the flu of uh, H1N1 and back in 1918 they were proven to be ineffective they're the same crap cloth masks today an N95 mask is a lot better if it's fitted properly which most uh, people you know not not to be insulting but most people will not know how to do to don and doff a mask and gloves they just there's a there's a proper way to do it and uh you know unless you're a surgeon or work with these things that are on a regular basis uh you don't know the proper procedure to do it so it is ineffective which then leads the public to believe that they are somehow supermen and women uh by just wearing a mask and do risky behavior like touching the screen a hundred times or not washing your hands or not really staying a proper distance away from someone else. 
You know, uh, it's great that you say that. Uh, so I've been wearing a fishnet stocking for the past 10 months. Has it worked? I haven't gotten the COVID yet. <laughs> hey, it's a face covering. <laughs> you know, according, so I, but, according to the federal government. <laughs> but I didn't want to downplay the severity, you yeah. know, like with Chief Gallietti passing and other people that and, I know. And, and I don't think anybody, and, you know, I don't think anybody, especially our listeners, are pretty bright. Uh, I don't think anybody th- thinks you are. But what we're trying to draw attention to is the lunacy uh, that goes along with all this. Yeah, do this, but don't do that. Correct. Do that, but don't do this. Oh, wait, we're changing it. Now do this, but don't do that. Yeah. All right, and then I'm going to fly to Mexico for my daughter's wedding and come back and tell you you shouldn't travel. <laughs> right. Okay, exactly. so I, I don't want to hear that crap. Yeah. You know, I don't want to hear it. I mean, it's it's so blatant. The three-tiered system in this country right now is so blatant and that, that we're on the bottom tier. Uh, I, I just don't know how there's not a massive awakening like throw, throwing tea in the harbor. I just don't get it. I don't just get don't get it. Families, livelihoods, careers, businesses destroyed, and people who have not missed one damn paycheck in eleven months have the balls to tell me we're all in this together. Right, that's the point we're trying to make. We're not all in this together. No, no. I'm stressed to f out every day. I don't know what's going to turn the corner. What next surprise the government has for a, a small business owner like me in such a hostile state, state like New Jersey? Every single day, I'm stressed about my employees' health and safety, my customers' health, health and safety, my family's health and safety. Every single minute of every single waking hour of my day, I go to bed with it and I wake up with it. And the biggest, biggest thing that bothers me is it's our government. They're my government. They're not there to support me. They're there to crush me. We have a hostile relationship between businesses and law-abiding, tax-paying citizens and the government, and it's not supposed to be that way. They're supposed to be there to help us, right? not to hurt us and crush us every single step of the way so guys like uh, Bezos and Zuckerberg can get billions and billions of dollars in the greatest wealth gap ever created in this country or in the world for that matter while you're continuing to crush us with no science backing it up it's all politics that's right tired of it so now let's get ready I have a bad feeling come January after the inauguration that we're gonna see a lot of uh, unrest in this country and a lot of it is going to be tolerated by our new leaders because th- those are the people that voted them in. Yeah, right. And uh, so let's let's just talk about a couple of things. This is uh, another learning uh, segment that's going to be in the uh, in the crime proof book, obviously. But protests are coming, and civil unrest is coming, and everybody should be prepared. And obviously, cities like L.A., Chicago, New York City urban areas densely population you're probably going to see more but we've seen over the past year more of it entering the suburbs so don't think because you live in some you know bedroom community 30 miles from an epicenter does don't think that you're off the radar they're coming for you all right remember the mccluskeys how they mm-hmm. went through their house those were all like multi-million dollar mansions That's those right. people never thought that they were going to be on the radar of those protesters. Yesterday, Nancy Pelosi's, one of her houses in California, the uh, garages were defaced with spray paint. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, yeah. The anarchist symbol was put on there. F your $2,000. We want it all. They spray painted on her garage doors. <laughs> yep. So it's coming to her house. Too. But it's okay for her because she will update and ramp up her federally. Uh, security detail, federal security detail that we, the taxpayers, pay for. It. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's unlimited for her. She could hire a hundred armed guards, federal officers or whatever, and we will pay for it because we don't even know we're paying for it. They just take our money. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's their, we're, we're their own piggy bank. And they we, send it to we, Pakistan. Correct. We are, the, we are the political class's piggy bank. Whenever they need something, they just smash one of us open and take whatever they want. That's a great way to look at it, great right? Analogy, yeah. Great analogy. So if you don't already have a gun, buy a gun. Not easy to find a gun right now, but you should have a gun. Okay? If you can legally possess a firearm, get one. Okay? A pump-action shotgun is good. Handgun is good. AR-15 is good. Whatever you can find, you should own something that you can use to defend yourself or your family. All right? If you're expecting rioting, 
rifles are definitely the way to go. AR-15, AK-47, if that's your thing, definitely a shotgun. You need ammo. You better start finding ammo. Good luck with that. Yeah. Okay? No one's ever said, I wish I had smaller bullets. Right. Okay? <laughs> All right. No one's ever said, I wish I had less bullets. That's right. If they're in the middle of something. That's right. All right. Remember, owning a gun doesn't make you a gunslinger, just like owning a piano doesn't make you a musician, right? Right. If you didn't get training, get firearms training. We offer training here, shameless plug, but anywhere you live in the country, there's firearms training. Learn how to protect yourself, your family. Learn how to use that gun. Learn how to store that gun. Learn how to transport that gun. Now, what if I would be planning for any civil unrest, every one of my vehicles, including Tracy's vehicle, we have a bug-out bag. I have yep. a bug-out bag at work. We have bug-out bags in the car. And, again, this is covered in my book, not in great detail because I'm not uh, – I didn't write a book on prepping. All right? But I need to be prepared. If the crap hits the fan and I can't get home for two days or if I'm hunkered down or – let's say you and your wife, your two children, and your dog have to get out of Dodge. All right? The rioting is spreading into your neighborhood, and you're deciding that you're the unrest, and you're deciding you don't want to stay, and you want to head to Grandma's house down in Tom's River, New Jersey. Okay? You better have something that you can grab quickly and you can run with. All right? So if I had a bug out bag, I would have at least three liters of drinking water per person. I would have uh, collapsible water bottles, at least one per person would be a great uh, idea to have. And uh, I would have water filters or purification systems or tablets, protein bars, energy bars, um, some a lightweight long sleeve shirt, maybe some zip off pants, underwear, Hiking socks, maybe a fleece jacket, definitely a hat, some gloves, and a rain poncho. The other thing that's always in my car, I have a first aid kit. I have Mylar survival blanket that you talk about all the time, Sandy. You yeah. talked about it two shows ago. I also have the obligatory black blanket we talk about all the time. I have wet wipes, hand sanitizer. Uh, I got a uh, little uh, travel toilet set. You know what that means? I have a couple rolls of toilet paper in my bug out bag because <laughs> that's my toilet set. Yep. I always have a knife on me. I have a survival knife in the car, and I have a Leatherman tool in my car. Uh, I have an LED headlamp that you can put on, like if you were using it to change a tire or something. Yeah. I have about 12 glow sticks in my car. How many times have you heard me talk oh, about glow yeah, sticks? Oh, my God. All right. I have batteries. I have an extra cell phone charger. I have the crank power charger. I have two of those in my house. I have one in each car. The crank power charger. Nice. I don't. Yeah, I don't have an emergency radio in my car. Uh, I always have a couple hundred bucks in small bills. All right, and I always have about ten dollars in change in a Ziploc bag in my car. Um, I don't have an emergency whistle or pepper spray, but I recommend other people have them. A lot of people are into paracord, too, like 50 feet is a great thing to have. I do have a <laughs> – you're going to laugh. I do have duct tape and a couple of contractor garbage bags because <laughs> you never know you when never shit's going to go down. You just never know. <laughs> okay. I just want to put that out there. Okay. Now, I have a small camp shovel. I also have uh, – uh, a wind ice scraper for the window and a brush, an expandable one, because my truck is an SUV. Tracy's car is an SUV. I have that too. But again, we have gloves in the car. Uh, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and they were talking about. Oh, Marvin has a pickup truck. So I told Marvin, I said in my book, I tell him if you have a pickup truck, go buy uh, two eighty-pound bags of sand, you know, uh, play sand, and a shovel, and keep it in the back of your pickup truck. You will get you put it right over the rear axle. You will get great traction and handling with that extra 160 pounds over the rear axle. And if you get yourself stuck in a situation where the rear is light and the tires are spinning, you get that shovel. You break open one of those bags of sand, throw it under that tire. You will get traction. I mean, and those bags of sand are literally like seven dollars a bag, Sandy. Well, yeah, that's true. They're like the you play know, sand. Play right? sand. Yeah, they're like seven dollars for an 80 pound bag. Jeez. Get two bags and a spade shovel and throw it in the back of your pickup truck. If you're a commuter, if you own a pickup truck not for work, but you own a pickup truck for looks and for commuting, 100%, that's one of the best things you can have in your possession is a bag sand and a shovel. You know, So that's one of the things I recommend to have. Now, you should have a similar bag in your house and in your car if you bring your car to work. If you're a commuter... If you use mass transit, you should have a backpack 
like that trimmed down in your office. Yes. Okay, now, now you can keep protein bars and packet water in there, and you can rotate it through. You can put a note on your calendar on your computer every three months. Check the protein bars. Order new ones. Take those out and eat them at work when you feel like a snack instead of a Snickers bar. But rotate them through. Because if you're at work and another September 11th, God forbid, or something happens and you need to get out of Dodge, you're going to thank me that you had that backpack sitting in a corner of your office or under your desk in your cubicle. Absolutely. You were going to thank me. So for you commuter people out there, how about a pair of comfortable shoes? In that bag. How about if you got a pair of ratty sneakers that you were just getting ready to throw out because you were going to buy a new pair? You think to yourself, let me put those in my bug out bag. Yeah. Because today is the day my husband drove me to work and I didn't bring a secondary pair of shoes and I'm wearing these three inch spiked heels today. (laughs) And today was the day that the shit hit the fan and I have to get out of Dodge with these three inch spikes on. Right. You will thank me if you have that pair of flats or sneakers in that book bag. Guys, you too. I don't know. Some of you guys, you wear these fancy dress shoes. I want to see you walk seven miles. People had to walk out of New York. Remember they directed people up across the bridges to walk into Brooklyn and stuff? Out to New Jersey. The last thing you're going to want is you're wearing those Salvador Ferragamo shoes that are digging in to your heel. (laughs) You'd be wishing you had a pair of your old New Balance or Nikes or whatever it had there that were already broken in. Those are the shoes that should be in your bug out bag are in the trunk of your car, are in a bag in the hatch of your car. It only takes a few minutes to think about these things. And let me tell you something, lifesaver, like you cannot believe. You know, I told you I wrote in the book packets of water, and my mother didn't know what they were. Yeah, right. And, you know, but they sell packets of water. You can buy them online. They have the potable uh, expiration date is months, sometimes years on some of it. The military's been using it. You're not going to get a sippy straw with that. You want that in the car as well. All right, you want to have a little first aid kit in the car. These are just little things that people don't think of. You know, like when George O said the other day, people use their car as a jacket. They just are a coat. They just jump in, not thinking they're going to be held up. For but what if you get stuck? What if there's a multi-vehicle accident and there's no way out and you're stuck in traffic for four hours? You know, you know, some of you, if you don't carry a bottle of Snapple or something, you might want a urinal bottle in the car. If you have a problem where you got to pee every twenty minutes, like people we know, Sandy. Yep. They make urinal bottles for male and female. You don't want to be sitting in a car with your teeth chattering because you have to pee for four hours. Buy a urinal bottle. Buy the female adapter for the urinal bottle. Keep it in your car. We're talking about an $8 purchase. Again, you will thank me for all of these things. I'll tell you another thing you should have in your bag. Let's think about this. I wear glasses. My next prescription is going to be a dog. (laughs) I have in both of my bug out bags and in both of my vehicles old glasses. Now, the prescription is slightly off from the prescription I wear. But if I break or get separated from my glasses that I'm on now, what am I going to do? Yeah, right. I will much rather wear that two-year-old, three-year-old prescription on my face than nothing. Yeah, All right. you have some sight. Something. So think about that. Same thing at work. you got new glasses. Take an old pair of glasses. Leave them at work. Put them in that bug out bag. Have them in your car, in the glove box, or in the trunk. Get one of those hard shell cases. Next time you go to the optometrist, ask him for an old hard shell case. Put a little label on it. Old prescription glasses. Anthony, Tracy, Sandy, you know, uh, whatever you put on it. And just keep them in the car. Keep them in your bug out bag. You will thank me for that. Where are you going to get a prescription filled if the shit hits the fan? You're going to go break two bottles, Coke bottles, and make glasses? Yeah, right. You're going to go break into a, I can't wear, you know, a Walmart or CVS glasses. I have astigmatism and everything. Yeah. I can't go get those readers and put them on. I'm blind. So think about that, ladies and gentlemen. These are all the things I cover in my book. It's not only crime proof. It's also when shit hits the fan. There are four or five chapters about firearms as well. But all these safety things that Sandy and I have been talking to people about for 11 years now, it's all going to be in there or hopefully all of it will be in there. If not, you'll have to wait for book two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, like that'll happen. Anyway, uh, so things like this. Sandy, what about medication? Yeah, I was just going to add okay, that. I, w- uh, I wanted you to step in with that. 72 hours worth of medication, especially if you're dependent upon that medication, if you're a diabetic or you have some sort of a, an issue like hypertension or, or something that you take on a regular basis uh, for your health to maintain some particular thing or prevent something. 
you want to have at least 72 hours worth of that medication with you. All, I, really, I carry mine at all times. I'm, I'm medication dependent. Um, you know, I carry a, an antiarrhythmic for my heart uh, with me all the time, no matter so, where I'm going. Do you hear what he says? So again, same thing. If you have a bug out bag in your office at work, what's wrong with having three days worth of medication in there? Because if you forgot to take it this morning, you could take it out of your bug out bag and take it and right. then replenish it the next day. Exactly. Same thing with the home in your home bug out bag. He's only talking about three worth, three days supply. All right. So everybody needs to really, you need to sit down with your family and your loved ones. And oh, and my wife also has a, uh, she's got a, a suggestion for this is how I got Hit my, me. Uh, my extra medication too. Um, you, you're, no matter what insurance company you have, if you have insurance and they're paying for your medications, if you refill, you can, you're allowed to refill your medication usually about uh, a little less than a week away. So if you continue to do that and you know, say refer, uh, refill them every, say, 27 days instead of every month, um, every 26 or 27 days, you, your drugstore will be able to tell you, you know, if you use a good drugstore, uh, when you can uh, re- renew that. If you renew that, garage back those extra couple of pills. Yep. And by the end of the year, you've got almost a month's worth of, edu- of um, medication uh, saved. And it didn't cost you a nickel. A month's extra saved. Think about that. So you have that. You can have a couple in your bug out bag. You can have in your office, one in your car, unless you're a commuter. And then the same thing at home. So you always have. You can have a month's worth. So Sandy's saying a month's worth. So if you had a bug out bag at home and one at, and one and one in the car, you could put two weeks in each bug out bag. Yep. All right. It's it's pretty good. So again, you, if you and your wife and your kids went apple picking that day, you go, oh, I forgot to take my pill this morning. Oh, I have it in my bug out bag in the back of the car. Or if Beautiful. the supply chain ever gets disrupted, uh, you're not SOL. Correct. That's shit out of luck, by the way, for you people that didn't know that. Just like Bohica means bend over, here it comes again. <laughs> Every time Congress meets, think Bohica. <laughs> yes, exactly. So little things like that. Now, all the listeners out there, is there anything I missed? Any suggestions you would want to talk about that you would want to store, you would want to carry, you want to transport? Obviously, kids' medication. Uh, anybody has asthma, right? Extra puffer yep. for for asthma uh, inhaler. Uh, things Check the like dates that. too. Yep. You know, if you have older um, parents and stuff, catheters, right? You want right? There's certain things, Andy. We don't think about. Yeah, right. Because it doesn't fall under our wheelhouse. But everybody out there, visualization and mindset. You sit down and go, okay, I have to take care of me. I have to take care of my wife. I have to take care of my kids. Now, do I have elderly parents? Do I have an elderly uncle? What is required? What are they? You will thank me for this. I hope that we never have to use any of this stuff yes, we're discussing. Exactly, right. But yes. man, if you're prepared and ready to rock and roll, holy moly, it's going to go so smooth. I'd love to get an email from a bunch of you three weeks after the melee ensues and, and say, God, that really helped me out. I was all prepared. I had this. I had that. I had the other thing. You know, I have on my visor of all my vehicles, I have a glass brake detector and a seatbelt cutter. Nice. It's one piece. I bought it at... Uh, a, a Automobile Association of America, and it clips to the visor. And I have it on a visor of each vehicle. And, uh, you know, if the vehicle, if I was hit by a drunk driver and my vehicle was turned on its side or upside down, you can't unclip the seatbelt. You're right. Because your weight's hanging on it. And suspended. you've seen that happen right outside your I just, right, right outside, outside your the range. Yep. You can cut the seatbelt. You can break the, break the side glass to get out. Whatever you have to do. Little things like this. You know, we spend so much money on crap. Right. We spend so much money on insignificant crap that we don't think about that so now let's let's can i can i can i do a shameless plug on my book please so the book is going to be available in soft cover in a few weeks to a month and uh then it's going to be available in a uh, audible um after that as well which i'm going to narrate and um we're going to have it set up it's going to be available at the range it's going to be available uh, online through the Gun for Hire website and a shopping cart and everything. And if people order it, I will autograph it if they come in, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I'm going to narrate the audio version. So I'm really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to all of you uh, sharing your input with me uh, about, uh, you know, the gun, uh, the whole uh, protecting your most valuable assets, you and your family. This is seven years in the making. It was Sandy who pushed me over the edge and got me to do it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to having it come out. It's it's in the final editing stages now. 
and Matt designed the cover and Matt is designing all of the reinforcement images to go inside and then after that we're going to be going to press a lot of people are asking if they could pre-order it I'm not going to set up a pre-order when they're when they're available I want to be able to have people come in and buy it or people order it online and have it shipped the same day you know, I don't want to take somebody's money and, but you know, if there's a, if, if something happens and there's a delay and it's not available in a month, but two months, I don't want to deal with the whole back and forth exchange. When is the book coming out? I'd so much rather deliver when, when services are rendered, you know, I'd rather you pay and I deliver it that day. So, uh, but we will be having book signings, uh, at the range. I will be available to do book signings at your places. If people, anybody wants me to come somewhere and, uh, and peddle the book, I will gladly do it. And again, we'll be offering it online. And when we offer it online, you'll be able to put down what you would like written in the book. Okay. Like to, uh, within reason. Or whatever, <laughs> obviously within reason. Um, and, uh, for my favorite people out there, they're not going to get a signature. They're going to get a mushroom kiss. So, and if you don't know what that is, look it up in the Urban Dictionary. Uh, <laughs> oh God, I don't even have to look it up. Oh, I didn't know what it was, but now it's oh, like, oh boy, oh, 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 oh. maybe I'm I, just making it out to be something that's not. I can't believe we're into 2021. We are, and uh, I, I'm so proud of the quarantine crawl. I'm also so proud of my entire staff at Gun For Hire and all my customers uh, and supporters and people come in. And so many people have been bringing new shooters in. So many people are bringing young young shooters in. It just, it's what keeps me going in this horrible world that we live in, driven and killed by the politicians that we voted to uh, represent us, yet they have decided <laughs> to rule us. To enslave us, yeah. Yes. And with no further ado, Happy New Year, bitches. Ah, well, there it is. It looks like you've done it again. You've wasted yet another perfectly good hour listening to Gun For Hire Radio. Gun For Hire Radio is a counter-think media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. On behalf of our show host, Master Trainer Anthony Calandro, and the rest of the crew here at Gun For Hire Radio, we do thank you so much, seriously, for 11 years of listening. Good God almighty, get a lives, people. <laughs> uh, we love you guys. See you next week. Oh, listen, uh, GoFundMe VHS of Ocean County. Please, 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 yes. please. We really need your help. Five bucks, ten bucks. It doesn't matter. Please. Thank you, everybody who's contributed already. And if you've got any extra PPE, please uh, email Anthony at Gun for Hire Radio, and we'll figure out how to get it to these folks. Yes. Thank you all. Love you guys. Happy New Year. From sea to the shine. See you.